Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, that on again, off again summit is, um, is, um, is, uh, I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. And it is like less than two weeks away, supposedly. There you go. This is the uh, Trump White House and the Trump foreign, Trump foreign policy. Uh, it is shoot from the lip. Uh, nothing more than that. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Hello, hello, hello on a Thursday, last day of May 2018. Great to see you today, and thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. And here we are in our nation's capital. Here we are right on Capitol Hill while the uh, Congress is out of town. We're uh, keeping house here and keeping uh, on top of what's going on down at the White House, around the country, and around the globe so that we can join you with all the news of the day, as we do every day online, on radio, and on television, bringing you the news of the day and looking forward to hearing from you. We've got a great lineup of guests, as always, uh, and ready to dive in to talk about the White House's bizarre response to the uh, canceling of the Roseanne Barr show. Uh, talk about the latest from Donald Trump when he says, damn, I wish I'd hired somebody else. As attorney general, I hate the guy that's there now, even though I gave him the job. Uh, yes, and Virginia getting ready to finally expand Medicaid uh, to some uh, 40,000, I think, 400,000 uh, Virginians who will get that coverage under Obamacare, thanks to the new governor and the legislature of Virginia, including a few Republicans who finally saw the light. All of that coming up, and your comments, your comments, so important. Send us your thoughts about the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. Lots to jump into, but first. 
This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. All right, Bill, last night was a critical game yes. two in the yes. NHL Stanley Cup Finals. As I told you, we let you know Las Vegas win one, and Can- then we're just coming back. The Capitals really, yep. really needed a win last night in Las Vegas, and... Now the Caps bringing it across, and a chance on the right circle. He scores! The shot from the top of the right circle from Brett Connolly. And with 10-19 to go, it's 3-1 Washington. Brooks Orpik might have been the last guy to touch it. All right, that was when it was went up 3-1. The final score was 3-2. Uh, star of the show last night really was the goalie for the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. Braden Holtby stopped a barrage of shots on goal, especially in the third period. Uh, the Capitals were able to hang on. So that means the series is coming back here to Washington Saturday night, 8 o'clock, right here in town. Bill, will you be there? Uh, no. <laughs> somebody give me a ticket, I'd yeah, be there. Right, sure. Yeah, it's going to be That's the problem. You know, it's not like Nat Stadium. You can't get 40,000 people in there. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever been to a hockey game, an NHL game, a Capitals game? Uh, no. Okay, no. They, they are rabid fans. Yeah, oh, they are. No, 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 I know that. And to think of how it's going to be during the Stanley Cup. I, I, I saw a lot of them last on. night on the Metro, even though the game was in Vegas. Well, they did a cool thing. The At the stadium, or at the arena, they showed the game. So they lowered uh, the big TV uh, screen, oh, okay. and they packed the whole arena yeah, for people one, to watch the I game. I was wondering where they were going. I yeah. saw them all in red, you know. Going, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. can go hang out with a bunch of other maniacs and watch it uh also yesterday another kind of interesting story walmart announced that it's going to offer low-cost college education to its 1.4 million part-time full-time and salaried workers at both walmart and sam's club what this comes out to is you can go to college to get a college education and walmart says all they're asking for is one dollar a day one dollar a day and they'll take care of the rest so they're partnering with the University of Florida in Gainesville, Brandman University in Irvine, California, and Bellevue. for their their employees, for kids their, their employees, for their yeah the kids, or if you're actually an employee. And yeah. by the way, like I mentioned, it's part time, full time, and salaried. So if you work with Walmart on any level, uh, you could go to college. Good for Walmart. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, forget Roseanne Barr. It's all about me. All about me, Donald Trump says. What about me? Why aren't they apologizing to me? Once again, we know. (laughs) Yes, the sun revolves around the planet of Donald Trump. Hey, what is everybody? Happy Thursday, last day of May, May 31, 2018. Here we go. It is the Bill Press Show. Hello, 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 and welcome. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're off to a good start, and uh, we've certainly got a lot for you to uh, sink your teeth into today when it comes to the news of the day. Yes, we were waiting for uh, Donald Trump's response to uh, the Roseanne Barr uh, and ABC's canceling of that show. Surprised it didn't come any sooner, but he finally got into it uh, yesterday. A little back and forth on the North Korean summit continues. There are meetings in New York. There are meetings here in Washington. There are meetings in Singapore. 
but we still don't know whether it is on or off, and the clock is ticking. It is less than two weeks away. Uh, every day makes it a little tougher uh, to pull that off. Donald Trump saying, in response to a comment made by uh, Congressman Trey Gowdy, uh, that there are a lot of attorneys that Donald Trump could have chosen for attorney general. Maybe he should have picked somebody else. Donald Trump immediately saying, yeah, I wish I had. I hate that old Jeff Sessions. But, of course, as Rudy Giuliani said yesterday, it doesn't mean he's going to fire him because he knows that would uh, backfire. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump, it turns out that the majority, pretty high majority of the American people think that he should not be tweeting all the time. So those are just some of the stories we're going to jump into this morning with the help of Addie Baird from Think Progress joining us. Adam Smith from Every Voice will be along as well. And then Ben Kamasar from The Hill. That's our lineup of guests as we come to you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we reach out to you on the radio, the great WCPT, hello Chicago, Indiana Talks throughout the state of Indiana. And, of course, we're looking at you on Free Speech TV uh, out there in uh, TV land. Um, and um, don't forget, your comments, always welcome. want to hear from you uh, because you are the most important guests of all. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, yes, uh, as we said, let's start. Roseanne, Roseanne, what? This is Donald Trump who called her to congratulate her on the launch of the show last year, basically bragged about she supports me, she gets 18 million viewers initially, got up to a lot higher than that. That means it's me that people are tuning into because they all support me. It was all about this show was all about me from the beginning. In fact, I think that's probably why Donald Trump is disappointed that they canceled it. At any rate, what was he going to say about this? He finally spoke out yesterday uh, through uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Well, first of all, it was Donald Trump himself with a tweet who said, oh, now notice what pissed Donald Trump pissed Donald Trump off was not what Roseanne said. He did not condemn what Roseanne said, that racist, sexist remark about Valerie Jarrett or those anti-Semitic remarks about George Soros. No, this was sort of like Charlottesville. He didn't condemn the violence in Charlottesville. He said, you know, totally changes the direction. Oh, there are good people on both sides. So in this case, he doesn't condemn what Roseanne Barr said. He doesn't defend it, but he doesn't condemn it. Instead, he says, well, where's my apology? Here's his tweet. He went on Twitter uh, yesterday afternoon. He says, quote, Bob Iger of ABC called Valerie Jarrett to let her know mm -hmm. That ABC does not tolerate comments like those made by Roseanne Barr. Gee, he never called President Donald J. Trump to apologize for the horrible, all capital letters, horrible statements made and said about me on ABC. Maybe I just didn't get the call. Yeah, <laughs> right. Again, all about me, turns it around, everything to be about uh, Donald Trump and whining about the fact that he's getting unfair coverage from the media. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders comes along uh, yesterday and basically repeats the uh, repeats the same thing. First of all, saying yeah, so it's a double standard for them to fire her for what she said, but basically not fire 
everybody else who ever said anything critical about Donald Trump because they think that the media's job is just to always tell you every minute of every day how wonderful Donald Trump is. Here's a press secretary. This is a double standard that the president is speaking about. No one is defending our comments. They're inappropriate, but that's what the point that he was making. Well, nobody's defending. How about condemning? How about just saying what she said was wrong and we do not uh, we, we, we do not associate with those comments? That's a layup. She should never have said it. That's a layup. A layup. That should be easy, really easy, easy to do. Easy to do. No. Instead, again, she started to attack the media. The president's pointing to the hypocrisy in the oh, media, saying that the most mm-hmm. horrible things about this president, uh, and nobody addresses it. Mm-mm, no. And again. How dare you say the most horrible things about the most horrible president? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why? He said, Sarah, he said, she's on it. Okay. Uh, we're not defending her again. I'm not aware of any conversations that have taken place. Uh, the president simply calling out the media bias. Yeah, no one's no. defending what she said. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, we're not defending. But again, all we want to do is one more chance to attack the media. And why? Why? She says, echoing her boss, who, of course, is watching. Right. So that's why she says what she says. Why haven't they apologized to Donald Trump? Where was Bob Iger's apology to the White House staff for Jamel Hill calling the president and anyone associated with him a white supremacist? To Christians around the world for Joy Bear calling Christianity a mental illness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, first of all, Joy Bear apologized on the air. She said that about Mike Pence. By the way, Mike Pence's Christianity, she's right. Yeah. She's right. Yeah. Um, But on Jamel Hill, she was, she said that on Twitter. She was suspended from ESPN on Twitter. So there's no double standard there. They suspended her. They canceled Roseanne, Roseanne Barr's show. I don't know that she is, is she back on ESPN? She's still with the company, uh, but, but she's got a reduced role. I mean, look, she has paid a price yeah, for what she yeah, said. she did. Which, Donald which, Trump by the way, paid was, no, which, by the way, was 100% true. Right. And Donald Trump has paid no price for anything he said and all the ugly tweets that he's done. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders even complained yesterday that the president had a bill signing at the White House yesterday and two of the networks didn't cover it live. Oh, my God. Everything that Donald Trump does has to be covered live. Well, it I mean, came straight from him, you know. Yeah. It sounds like it came straight from him. Absolutely came straight from him. So the whole thing, I mean, you talk about a double standard. The double standard is that Donald Trump thinks he can and, in fact, does insult people, make ugly statements, make racist, sexist statements all the time. And he expects and does, for the most part, get away with it. And do you know what? I think he probably agreed with everything that Roseanne Barr said. Uh, But again, it would have been easy to condemn the violence, a layup to condemn the violence uh, and the anti-Semitism and the white supremacist hatred uh, in Charlottesville, but Donald Trump could never bring himself to do it. Easy to condemn the racist remarks of Roseanne Barr, and Donald Trump could not bring himself to do it either. And then yesterday, kind of the final insult, Roseanne Barr, who by the, was tweeting away like mad yesterday herself, just more nonsense, proving what a nut she is. Tom Arnold, her former husband, pointed out that uh, why should we be surprised that this went south with Roseanne Barr? After all, I forgot how crazy she really is. She is totally Donald Trump when it comes to the conspiracy theories. 
before. She had been a birther because she was part of that movement. Donald Trump, uh, uh, Barack Obama was not born in the United States. A birther movement led by Donald Trump, remember? Uh, she also was very much part of the Pizzagate conspiracy here, that the Clinton campaign was running this child tr- sex trafficking ring through this, pardon me, Comet Pizza Parlor in Northwest Washington. And she also put out some tweets saying that Hillary was a pedophile, a known pedophile. I mean, so this woman is really, really wacky, uh, crazy. Uh, proved again yesterday when she came out and says, oh, I didn't know Valerie Jarrett was black. <laughs> Eight uh, years in the White House. And, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then she says, well, the problem was I was taking Ambien. You know, I couldn't sleep. I had a sleep problem, so I took Ambien. And then uh, Ambien made me wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, the manufacturer of Ambien came out with a great comment yesterday basically saying, all drug Ambien, like all drugs, has side effects, but racism is not one of them. Yeah. Racism is not a known side effect. <laughs> this is pretty great. I thought that was really, really great. Yeah. What a world uh, that we're rooting for big pharma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, they're the good guys now. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, on the, on the subject of the briefing, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders got caught short yesterday. There was a... Uh, a fitness day yesterday, um, and maybe we point out again, this was the issue, be best or whatever, that oh, the first yeah. lady is supposedly part of, and where was she? Melania, day 20, didn't show up. She had to put out a statement yesterday, just Ivanka. basically like a proof-of-life yeah. tweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm hiding in the White House. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the White House. Find me. Come find me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, she didn't show up, but the president did with the first daughter, Ivanka, uh, celebrating all of her uh, Chinese trademarks. And, By the um, way, there, there is something sort of beautiful about a president like Donald Trump who is not athletic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who is not like, Standing there watching fitness. these kids. Yeah. yeah. Talking about the importance of exercise and all that. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. We know he doesn't believe that. No. No. Uh, so, at any rate... Um, there was a, with the kids there, one kid, um, Benji, what's it, Benji Shukron, Benji yeah. Shukron, um, was invited into the White House briefing room, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders called on him. He's 13. He stopped her dead with a question about school shootings. Can you tell me what the administration has done and will do to prevent these senseless tragedies? I think that uh, as a kid and certainly as a parent, there is nothing that could be more terrifying for a kid to go to school and not feel safe. So I'm sorry that you feel that way. Uh, This administration takes it seriously. Uh, Yeah, she breaks up there responding to this kid. But uh, the fact is, she didn't tell him anything because the administration isn't doing anything. He says, what's the administration done or what will it do to help prevent such senseless tragedies? What's Donald Trump done? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, except talk about arming teachers, which is the same nonsense we got yesterday, by the way, from the uh, from the uh, governor of uh, uh, of Texas. But Benji Shirkon was, was asked afterward, so um, what are you, one of these student activists? I came to ask my question as a journalist, <laughs> not an activist. So... While I certainly, uh, while I certainly was really inspired when I saw what was happening, they didn't really, they didn't really like influence me to ask this question. Yeah, so I'm not part of this activist movement. I'm just a journalist asking tough questions. But he said the fact is, 
as a 13-year-old, he knows every student in America is worried our school could be next. In a lot of schools around this country, there's this worry that, you know, our school is could be next. I mean, it could be added to the list of Columbine, Parkland, Santa Fe. There's always that constant worry. Yes, indeed. Um, so on another front, it's good for him, by the way, Ben Shishikone. Hope he has a, a big success. In, uh, He's a journalist, Bill, not an journalist. activist. Well, let's get him in. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trey Gowdy yesterday, who's sort of uh, suddenly the born-again South Carolinian congressman, who is, isn't he retiring? Right. He sure yeah, is. Sure is. But now he's come out and, um, boy, he was a true believer for a while. Um, he was one of the ones who was putting out the theory about the deep state just out to get uh, Donald Trump. And suddenly now he's been one of the most critical in the last few days about Donald Trump, saying, first of all, that the Spygate thing is pure nonsense. Uh, there was no spy. That the FBI did exactly what it should have done once it heard that there might be Russian interference in the election is they lo- started looking into it, and they got a good source who could find get to some of these people in the Trump campaign. Um, and then Trey Gowdy yesterday is saying, uh, also I think it was on CBS this morning, um, that, uh, well, look, Donald Trump could have hired, uh, he said, I, I understand why Donald Trump might be a little upset when his attorney general says, I've got to recuse myself from maybe the most important thing in front of the Department of Justice right now. Uh, and there were a lot of other attorneys the president could have hired but didn't. Uh, Donald Trump immediately tweeted out, yeah, I wish I could have hired somebody else other than that SOB, Jeff Sessions. He'll never let up on, on, on Jeff Sessions. Uh, and uh, I woke up this morning to find this little tweet from Donald Trump, if I can find it again. He retweeted something put out by Joe DeGeneva. Remember, Joe DeGeneva is the attorney that he announced he was going to hire, like on, like on a Tuesday and on Thursday he said, I changed my mind, I'm not going to hire him. Former U.S. Attorney Joe DeGeneva, Donald Trump tweeted out, quote, the recusal of Jeff Sessions was an unforced betrayal of the President of the United States. That original tweet retweeted by Donald Trump from Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. Attorney. Um, and this is, this is extremely important, folks. I want to mention this because this gets to the issue of obstruction of justice. Because this news came out on the heels of a report that Donald Trump calls Jeff Sessions after he had recused himself, called him down to Mar-a-Lago and gave him hell and said, you got to change your mind. You've got to go out and announce, I changed my mind. I'm not going to recuse myself. I am going to be head of the Russian investigation. So this is in line with fires James Comey, Jeff Sessions, because he won't drop the investigation. Jeff Sessions recuses himself because of his Russian connections and those meetings with the uh, Russian ambassador. He doesn't feel he can be an honest uh, uh, overseer of the Russian investigation. And Donald Trump tries to get him to change his mind. Why? Because he wants Jeff Sessions to undermine, undercut, and maybe end the investigation. All part of what Robert Mueller is looking into in terms of obstruction of justice. And it looks like that case is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, and Donald Trump just gave them, I believe, more ammunition uh, yesterday. Big news from Virginia. Virginia, the new governor, um, 
This is something that Terry McAuliffe tried to do under Obamacare is expand Medicaid in the state of Virginia. The Republican legislature would never go along with it, uh, despite Terry McAuliffe's uh, great efforts. Uh, the new governor uh, with a new legislature, remember, it's like 5149 Republican, but that's a lot better than the 15 or, or more margin that the, that the Republicans used to have. Uh, and under Governor Ralph Northam, uh, there were, I think, three or four Republicans yesterday, at least enough Republicans, who flipped, changed their mind, and said, nope, this is the right thing to do. Uh, and so now Virginia will be part of, um, I forget how many states that have under Obamacare expanded Medicare, and some 400,000 Virginians will now qualify for Medicaid under Obamacare. Uh, a great, great, great uh, win for Ralph Northam, a great win, especially uh, for the uh, people of Virginia. Good for him, good for them. Virginia, I just want to be sure I have that. Yeah, four expected to cover as many as 400,000 people. That approved yesterday by the uh, Virginia State Senate. Well, if you have any extra money, by the way, um, got a good idea how you might uh, be able to um, make yourself feel better by no, no better way I can think of than helping a preacher buy a new plane. Uh, yeah, maybe you've heard about Jesse DePlantis. He's been around for a while. He's uh, one of these televangelists. Yeah, I used there's... to have to watch him when I was a kid. No. Yeah, totally. Man. Really? He's been around that long. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's got this uh, mega parish, mega church outside of uh, New Orleans. Um, he already has three private jets, fancy jets. But he wants another one. He wants a Falcon uh, 7X because he says this is a plane that could fly him anywhere in the world without having to stop to refuel. You know, damn it. It just pisses me off whenever I take my uh, Learjet to California and I have to stop, you know, in Des Moines to refuel. I mean, it just it's not fair. Isn't it terrible? It is. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the last time I, I was flying to Dubai and you know, we had to stop and. <laughs> Frankfurt to refuel. Jesus, yeah. you know, what a pain in yeah, the ass. What are you, a farmer? Yeah. Right? I mean, us. so I don't want Jesse to have to have that inconvenience around. But so, yes. And this plane has a little price tag of $54 million. But Jesse says, this is, this is what Jesus would want. I really believe that if <laughs> Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Think about that for a minute. No. He'd be in an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. No, he'd be on no damn donkey. No. Uh -uh. Yeah, Bill. Mm -mm. Think about that for a minute. Think, think about, about that for a minute. Think about for a minute. Y'all think about it for a minute. I wouldn't give you a damn dime. <laughs> sure. God. So, yeah. The, 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 oh, this really gets me going. This is the prosperity gospel. And it is such BS. I mean, if you've read the gospels, the last thing Jesus would be doing was hanging out with people who've got private jets and mans all these wait four four luxury jets and all these mansions and homes all over the world and think about that for a minute think about it for a minute yeah I need that because no he's got a church he ought to take care of those people there no he's got to be flying all around the world but then he said this was on uh, one of the shows yesterday morning so no but uh, this ain't uh-uh, don't think this is luxury. Mm-mm. I never think of an airplane as luxurious. Oh, I think no. of an airplane as work. I mean, look at oh. me, sweetheart. I'm oh. almost 69 years old. You know what I'm saying? I think I should stay home a little bit. But what's happening, I have so many meetings. People all over the world oh, are yeah. asking me to come. 
You could hear the ego just dripping out of that sentence. I'm so important. People all over the world want me there, and I've got to go. What am I to do? My hands are tied. Well, my hands are tied. I've got to go. I wish I, I could stay home, but I need my fourth jet. And I can't ride my ass there. Yeah. <laughs> you keep your ass at home is what you ought to do. <laughs> God, I'm telling you. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, you know it's worse than these televangelists and this and the people who preach this prosperity gospel again? The prosperity gospel, the basis of it is God wants us all to be rich, and the richer you are, the more God loves you. Now, if that is not pure bunk, I don't know what is, but that's what they preach. And worse than the preachers or anybody who gives them a dime. Anybody who believes that nonsense is Nut, nuts, nuts, crazy in the head. I mean, and they think they're going to go to heaven because they're giving this preacher money to buy a $54 million jet. A fourth jet. A fourth jet. That costs $54 million. It is so insane. But you know what? He'll get it. I think he will. Yeah, he'll get it. And you know what he ought to do? He ought to burn in hell for the money that he's ripped off suckers around the country I can't believe there's p- people still watch that stuff. I know I did, that was my that was my biggest thing. I mean, in the, in the in the day and age where like yeah, I mean today we've expanded our media options, right? Like well, uh, I yeah. can't believe people are still watching. It. And by the way, there have been a couple of different TV televangelists that have had a similar problem, right? Like Creflo mm. Dollar uh, had this problem, and he's he was one of the guys that really refined the whole prosperity gospel thing. I mean, he got in a lot of trouble for all the money that he, he took from his people. Uh, there are other people, uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name now, but he was he's on the 700 Club a lot. He Not Pat Robertson, but there's, yeah. a, there's another guy, and he got in trouble because he asked for a bunch of money for a plane. Now this guy, it's amazing. As I say, he'll get it. He'll get it. Hey, sweetheart, I'm almost 69. Yeah. Hey, sweetheart. Yeah, look at me, sweetheart. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Think about it for a minute. Yeah, well, maybe Donald Trump ought to think about this for a minute. By the way, Politico is out. Our good friend Steve Shepard from Politico with a new poll this morning. What do Americans think about Donald Trump's tweets? By the way, his uh, Twitter, Twitter followers now uh, number some 52 million. We don't know how many of those are. Real people or not. Russian but, bots. Yeah. Uh, but according to Politico, they ask, uh, what do you think? Do you think Donald Trump tweeting is um, all the time is a good thing or a bad thing? 62% of Americans say it's a bad thing. 62%. That's pretty higher than it's ever been. Uh, t- only 20% say it's a good thing for Donald Trump to be tweeting. Um, but is he treating tweeting too much is another question. And on that issue, according to Politico, 72% say he's tweeting too much. He ought to cut it back. This is what I find more most interesting is 58% of Republicans say he's tweeting too much. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, he won't. No, he won't. Not gonna happen. No, in not fact, gonna happen. If today, if today is 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 any sign, right? Uh, he was tweeting after eleven o'clock last night, and he was tweeting tweeting at six o'clock this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what it is. It's the ambient. Gotta be. Gotta be. Right. Gotta be the ambient. <laughs> there you go. Okay.
Okay. Man, we're just getting started today. Lots to talk about here. Addie Bear joins us next from uh, Think Progress. Um, talk more about the president's crazy comments down in Nashville, um, most of which have been proven to be yeah, another string of big fat lies. Quick break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Thursday, Thursday, May 31. Uh, how about it? Month of May flew by. Uh, I'm about to go into the month of June. Man. With uh, not much time to put that summit together. They're still working <laughs> on it. <laughs> I don't know whether we're going to make it or not. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from uh, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Where we're brought to you today by the good men and women of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers Union. Under President Joseph Sellers, the good men and women of the SMART Union. Put them all together, that's what you get, the SMART Union. Giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, you bet. We thank them for their good work and their support of the program. Directed to their website, smart-union.org. Joining us in studio... From the great Think Progress uh, political reporter, Addie Bear. Hi, Addie. Nice to see you. Good to be here. Thanks for coming in. Of course. Good uh, good time to be uh, doing a, to covering politics, right? No shortage of work. Uh, no. <laughs> or or races to talk about important yeah. races all across the country. Thank you. It's good to have you here. And uh, since we've uh, started just a little bit before you got here, already stirred up some uh, comments. Peter's been tracking. Yes, indeed. Lots of comments about Jesse Duplantis and oh, Jesse. Uh, his $54 million plane. Here, here's an idea. Instead of sending the money to Jesse, send it to me. Then I won't have to fly commercial to go to California That's anymore. That's right. This is a, tra- a tragedy that you have to do this, Bill. I know, yeah. Uh, lots of comments, not only on Twitter at BP Show, but also in our YouTube chat room, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Make sure you find us there and join the conversation. Uh, one of our favorites in the chat room, Stoner Dude, says, <laughs> it's not me. Uh, prayers on a plane are closer to God. Everyone knows that, Bill. Oh, uh, maybe that's maybe that's what he's thinking. If you're praying in the heavens. Why didn't I think about that? Yeah, yes. maybe that's the, God will hear them more. Think well, about that for a minute. Think, just think about that for a minute. Well, let's send them on a spaceship then. Uh, just, exactly. <laughs> uh, one-way trip. Uh, John Davis says the prosperity gospel equals anti-Christian, which is sort of I the mean, point you were making. It totally is. Wrong. It totally, totally contradicts the message of Jesus. At that point, driven home with a tweet uh, from Jessica <laughs> where she found this uh, at BP show, at BP show. Jessica says the Bible repeatedly states over and over again that Jesus despised the rich. In fact, he commanded them to give up their wealth. Sell what you have or give away what you have. Sell what you have and give it to the poor. Yeah. I had a feeling you jump on that. Unquote. (laughs) Yes. Find us on Twitter at BP Show or again in the chat room, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. There you go. All right. Thank you all for the comments. Keep those comments coming on Twitter uh, at BP Show or through the chat room as well. Um, Addy, you've been on, uh, you've been active on a a lot of different routes. So let's start on the non political, sort of. Uh, Some news um, out this week about Puerto Rico. Yeah. We sort of forgot about Puerto Rico, but oh, right. I mean, wasn't that's that the long problem. ago. And yeah. the people there, poor people of Puerto Rico still haven't recovered. Oh, not even close. Um, as of last month, there were 
you know, tens of thousands of people without power. Um, And there was a really important study out earlier this week about the fact that basically the government count, uh, which stands at 64 deaths uh, as a result of Hurricane Maria, is so unbelievably wrong. Um, It is closer to uh, more than 5,000 deaths as a result of Hurricane Maria. Uh, This is a study uh, done by some Harvard researchers. Um, and it's, you know, this this study, which is really well done, makes it clear that the government count is, um, you know, off by about 70 times. Yeah, 4,645. Four and that's the low number. That's the low number that yeah. Harvard came up yep. with, right. Yep, that yep. is the most conservative estimate. And so it could be over 5,000. Yeah, because basically that number is based only on survey well, respondents. Well, well, so, I mean, for what purpose does the government of Puerto Rico have to be so wrong or to lie about this and not to just accept the reality? I mean, who are they covering up? I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say if this is malicious or ignorant or, you know, one of those... It, it, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. What we do know is that the Trump administration has systematically ignored Puerto Rico and has, you know, uh, there was a Politico investigation that made it very clear that uh, Trump favored um, Texas recovery right around the time that uh, Harvey hit um, in Houston and Maria hit not long after in Puerto Rico. Um, He went to Puerto Rico he being Trump um, and basically told people you're lucky you know this is you have so few deaths compared to Katrina it is Mm -hmm. now three times the deaths um, that that happened in Katrina and again these people are Americans they're American citizens Um, Uh, you know Donald Trump didn't know that and that's part of the problem is that we're treating them as if they're not because I think that the Trump administration, and I think this is the problem. I think that this is how why the government count has stayed so low, and and why you know they've been forgotten and ignored systematically over and over again is that the government just doesn't think about them as American citizens, which is exactly what they are. We, <laughs> this is an American colony. You know, if we went down there, I I think probably the answer is if only Donald Trump had gone down there and thrown them some paper towels. I mean, if that- only. Imagine. Everything would be solved. Everything would be, right. (laughs) By the way, in terms of uh, Donald Trump's role, the mayor of Puerto Rico, who, of course, was very outspoken uh, during the uh, um, recovery efforts or the lack of recovery efforts. Mayor of San Juan. Mayor of of San Juan, I'm sorry. uh, 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 Mayor uh, Carmen Cruz uh, spoke out again yesterday saying we need uh, fewer Trumps, I mean tweets, and more action. Not one tweet. Not one tweet from a man that tweets about the sunrise. Just saying, look, people of Puerto Rico, we're sorry. Yeah, anything. Not yeah. even she's even a with the, even she's, with the tweets, yeah. he's not tweeting about Puerto Rico. He's tweeting about Roseanne Barr or something or Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. I mean, when this came out, like that, that they were over seventy times off in the death count. Not a word from Donald Trump. Of course not. No. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, pretty. Stuff. Yeah, pretty sad. President Obama, President Obama, I wish, I wish. President Trump down in uh, Nashville the other night um, 
at, at a big rally for uh, Marsha Blackburn, uh-huh. um, the Republican candidate for Senate for Tennessee to take Bob Corker's spot um, up against Phil Braden, Bredenson, former mayor of Nashville, former governor of Tennessee. And very, the dream candidate for Democrats there. Dream candidate for Democrats yeah. there is right. Absolutely. Um, and um, the president made a lot of statements down there, not all, not all of which proven to be factually true that's an understatement (laughs) (laughs) i am shocked shocked. yeah i mean he loves these rallies this is where he thrives and he goes on stage and says whatever he wants doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if it's true doesn't matter if it's uh politically correct doesn't matter uh if it's real um he gets up there and just says whatever he wants the idiots in the they don't know, and they just believe every word of it and applaud at everything he says. You know, I, I actually I, think that there's a lot of Trump supporters who know it's not true but they just, and don't care. They don't care. They, they like hearing care. him say it, I guess. Yes. I mean, for example, NB, so PolitiFact, I don't have that in front of me, but PolitiFact, a great site, went through the speech, and I think it was like out of 12 out of 15 or 10 out of 15 things he said were either false, mostly false, or Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, sounds right. NBC News uh, did a little um, fact check on it, too. Uh, he said, again, Mexico's going to pay for the war. He hasn't said this for a long time, and now he's back saying. It is a greatest hit. He loves to come back to that one at these rallies. Yeah, Mexico's <laughs> going to pay for the wall. Not true. Mexico has said <laughs> over and true. over again, and they said again yesterday, I mean the other night, after the speech, no, we're not. Yeah, no. No, no freaking way. He also, of course, said wages for the first time in many years are finally going up. Uh, NBC points out that's false. Wages also went up during the final years of Obama's presidency. Yep. You know, he just throws this stuff he out there. He rewrites history. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's never been an administration that's done what we've done in the first year and a half, ha, NBC ha, points ha, out. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, they had one major, yep. one, one piece of legislation. They have one piece The of... tax cut. They have one piece of work right. to run on in as we months. go in as right. we go into the midterms. Right. It's that tax overhaul. Uh, and of course, Nancy Pelosi loves MS thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> she says it all the time. Her kids are all members of the gang. Right. Yeah. That's one her of her favorite things. She's always members like, of the gang. I love MS thirteen. Oh, yeah, I love it. the notorious street gang yeah. MS thirteen. Throws that stuff out there. <laughs> uh, we passed the largest tax cuts in American history. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, both Obama, even Obama and Ronald Reagan had bigger tax cuts. They're also than... going to expire. Yeah. You know, by the way, the, I mean, the Nancy Pelosi MS-13 thing reminded me of uh, during, I can't remember if it was during the campaign or right after he was elected, where he talked about how Barack Obama was the creator of ISIS. Remember that? Oh God, he yeah. was the founder yes. of ISIS. Oh, yeah. Wow, the, I forgot about it. For right, a yeah. and then like, the, yeah. and then like the next day, it evolved to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were both the co-founders <laughs> of ISIS, and it's just stuff that. What if ISIS was born by the destabilization of the Middle East because we decided? Try and explain Sorry. that. Try and, exp- <laughs> try and explain that to him. Try and explain Sorry. that to him. I we'll see how that I goes. shouldn't even start. Yeah. It's not worth the energy. But he can, he says these things. Don't try to introduce logic or facts. <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking? Into uh, What are you thinking? You're right. I should know better. <laughs> he just picks these little things, and he tries to give himself just enough daylight to defend his argument. It's sort of like with the 
animals comment about the MS-13 stuff. Like, he gave himself just enough to say, folks, I wasn't talking about the, the mm-hmm. Mexicans. I was talking about MS-13 specifically. Right. Right. right, and he that's exactly the thing is he constantly moves the goalposts. Exactly. He, you know, when you look at in context, his supporters kept saying, look at the animals comment in context. It's He's talking about MS-13. No, he's not. He's so clearly talking about more immigrants than members of MS-13. Right. And he, at this rally, was like, everyone was mad at me for calling MS-13, you know, what was it? What was it? And everyone chanted animals. It was very chilling. But, you know, he's constantly moving the goalposts so that his criticism um, looks... You know, like it's it's taken out of context or, you know, and it's not. It's not. He's just constantly moving the goalposts to um, find some way to make himself look better. And the other thing, one other thing that he talked about at this rally, uh, uh, which is his constant theme right now, is the spy in his campaign, which he keeps <sighs> saying, even though uh, even Republicans, having been briefed by the FBI, said, no, they did not plant a spy in his campaign. Uh, Trey Gowdy saying, yeah, they had an informant who was looking into alleged collusion with the Russians, which or alleged activity by the Russians to interfere in our election, which is what the FBI should have been doing. Exactly. But there is zero, zero evidence either that Obama Obama tapped his phones, which he still alleges, or that there was the FBI planted a spy in his campaign. But he'll keep saying it. He said it Thursday, what, what, Monday night, was it? And again... Enough people down there believe not Monday night, Tuesday. People down yeah. there believe it. Believe it. Well, and this is the I out mean, there. The, the Spygate story is so perfect for him. He loves this quote unquote Spygate story because it makes him the victim. It's got drama. It's got you know the the FBI being against him, which he wants that to create that narrative very badly to this day. I mean, this is in a, order he to loves undermine story. Uh, exactly the FBI and Robert Mueller, it's whatever Mueller may not true may come up with. Yeah, yeah simply. Not true. Uh, On another unrelated topic, um, but just trying to keep up with you, you know, (laughs) you're all over the place. Um, Some interesting numbers, um, and this does relate to the 2018 uh, elections on abortion. Yeah, this is really neat. Um, There is a group called Data for Progress, not related to Think Progress, but together a lot of progress (laughs) Um, that recently had some data that they put together which basically showed low support for banning abortion in every state in no state in the united states uh does support for banning abortion reach more than 25 percent um whoa 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 like so we're talking about getting uh, reversing roe v wade yep okay yep uh you're saying the support for Reversing, ending Roe v. Wade, therefore banning, making ban- abortion illegal, right? You looked at all, f- or this group did, yep, all fifty states, and in not one of those fifty states does it exceed twenty-five percent. Wow! Even Isn't Utah, that interesting. Even Utah, yeah, even my home state. Um, and this is fascinating. You're from Utah, I am. Yeah, I thought oh. you knew that. No, I didn't. Know you that. just picked a state. I just picked. <laughs> No, I just picked a state because I'm thinking of a, a red state, yeah, really, no, really even, red state. Even in Utah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't exceed 25 percent. Um, and this is fascinating, and I think that your shock is coming from the fact that yeah, the anti-abortion voices in our politics are very loud. 
they don't represent most people. And the anti-abortion voices, you know, of, of you know, uh, March for Life, Susan B. Anthony list, these are groups who have made overturning Roe v. Wade central to um, their mission. You also have legislators in Iowa who have enacted a six-week abortion ban um, with the express purpose of getting this uh, to the Supreme Court in an effort to overturn mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. This is not backed up by a majority of people. Anti-abortion groups have uh, poured money into the midterm elections. Trump recently spoke at Susan B. Anthony La Scala. Yeah. Um, they're just... The the fact of the matter is these voices are loud, but they are not backed up by the American people. Yeah, so it's really um, a slim minority of the American Absolutely. people Absolutely. that make all this noise. They have this big rally on the mall every January, and yeah, uh, people yeah. come from and all over the country. Are... And Donald Trump spoke to them this year. Yeah, there are ranges, you know, within hmm. the. There are people who want, you know, abortion in in fewer circumstances. There are people who want, uh, you know, abortion to be restricted in in various ways. And there are people who want abortion on demand for free. Um, But, you know, that range, most people fall into that range where abortion is legal and safe in at least a number of circumstances. The number of people who want abortion to be banned in the United States is small. And I've seen this as I've done reporting on the midterms. You know, even when I talk to candidates who say that they are quote unquote pro life, uh, a lot of times they follow that up by saying, the Supreme Court has made it clear. Yeah. Roe v. Wade right. is the law of the land. And even though I personally would never get an abortion, I understand this is the law of the land, and and that is more often what I hear from people who say that they are pro-life, quote-unquote. The loud anti-abortion voices are not backed up by the American people. And this, <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm sure at one point the percentage of people who wanted to totally outright ban uh, was higher. Yes. Right? Yeah, so this, is, guess... this, is a, this is a shift uh, within the... American populace, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Very interesting. And, but yeah, it's again, fascinating stuff. You wouldn't know that by watching the news or, no. or listening no. to the news or listening to the noise. <laughs> it's the people who scream yeah. the loudest who get the most coverage. That yeah. doesn't mean that they are uh, the the majority. What are some of the races that you are particularly interested in? You told me you're going out to Ohio. Uh, yes. What's up in Ohio? Um. I am going to Ohio to cover uh, Sherrod's Br- Sherrod Brown's race against uh, Jim Manetti. He's always been one of the most targeted by particularly the Koch brothers. They yeah. always pour a lot of money. They yeah. did the last time uh, that he was up for re-election, I know, and uh, they're doing it again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherrod Brown is one of 10 Democrats running in a state that Trump won in 2016. I think that he's actually one of the safer people on that list. Yeah. Um, but I just find him to be fascinating, and I think that this race is going to be interesting to watch, um, you know, and, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, many people believe and have, have told me that uh, Sherrod Brown is very seriously considering running for president in 2020. Um, and so we can basically look at this race as a dry run for a potential uh, Democratic nominee in a vital state in 2020. Yeah. So this uh, race should be fascinating. Yeah. And Ohio is, as we know, very critical yeah. Republicans. It's, they always say cannot win the presidency unless they win Ohio. Yeah. Right? 
and um, uh, and yeah, I thought Sherrod Brown might have run the last time. I was pushing him for vice president the last time around. He's a right. great progressive well, and, and I think we know a great U.S. senator. It and, came down to him and Kane and, and that he would right. be, it, should he be voted, should should Clinton win with, with him on the ticket, a Republican picks his replacement and that's how you get Tim Kane. Right, right. Um, and the other race that you're interested in in Ohio? Um, yeah, I'm really interested in Rachel Crooks's race. Um, she is running for state house. It's a, um, a state race there. But Crooks is one of the more than 15 women who have accused Trump of sexual misconduct. And she has uh, become a, a really loud voice. Um, she's a, a fascinating woman and she is running for, for state house there. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, get out there and cover her race as well. And the governor, uh, so she's running for state house. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. a is Donald Trump supporting her opponent? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would love. Dis- I would love to get someone uh, in the White House press corps to ask <laughs> to ask about that race. <laughs> Next time I go to a briefing, maybe I can please, raise that issue. Please, Bill. But <laughs> if he, yeah, that would be fun. If he, he yeah, I think he'll probably ignore ignore that race. Have you looked at the governor's race in Ohio? Richard I, Cordray is the uh, Democratic nominee. The Demo- I haven't followed that race all that closely, but I don't even know who the re- I should know who the Republican is. Well, there, but- we, what we can say is Cordray is is also Democrats are very happy about that. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's not Dennis Kucinich, and <laughs> and that I think people are very pleased about. Right. Uh, so I encourage you to take a look at the governor's race in California if you haven't already done so. Oh, that's a fascinating one. And you can uh, tell your bosses that I'm uh, I'm I'm suggesting that they buy you a first class ticket to California. Oh wow! Uh, hey, Judd, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> um, Screw that, man! Just get a, a, a private just airplane. Just get a private plane. Oh, just private Jesse plane. Duplantis <laughs> special. Maybe Jesse. Right. Look, he's got four. He can't use all four yeah. at one time. Let's right? borrow one. But. The, the California governor's race, first of all, it's so important because California is so big. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, also because California is really the, the headquarters of the opposition to Donald Trump and all of his policies. So climate change and new car, new ca- car, new uh, cafe standards for new cars, um, you, you name it, right, across the board. Uh, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, it's all coming from California. So whoever's governor there is going to pick up this responsibility, basically being the leader of the national opposition to Donald Trump, which well, Jerry Brown has been. And they've got this so-called jungle. I was just exactly, there, so that's exactly what I was going to say. Jungle primary. Every primary in California is fascinating because this jungle primary system just throws a wrench in everything. It is, you know, essentially designed as this way to sort of force people to get over partisanship. And and for anyone who doesn't know, a jungle primary means that in a primary election, everyone is on the ballot. And no matter uh, your party of, uh, um, alliance, the top two vote getters go to the general election. So you could so- have two Republicans in the general, you could have two Democrats in the general, you could have one of each. However, this plays out. This essentially doesn't force people to overcome partisanship. It only creates chaos. Um, oh yeah, no, it, it is, and, and this is the most chaotic race I have ever seen. I voted. It's insane. I, I still vote in California. There were twenty-seven. There are twenty-seven candidates <laughs> for governor on the ballot. It's absurd. Twenty-seven, and three dropped out. 
including Rosie, Rosie Greer was running. Oh, wow. Yeah, or filed, anyway. And then you and see so, Gavin Newsom attacking other Democrats so that he can end up with a Republican yes. in the general election. Yeah. Some of Gavin Newsom's supporters are actually supporting putting money behind one of the Republicans so that they could get Gavin versus the weakest Republican rather than Gavin Newsom versus Antonio Villaraigosa, who would be the most second most popular Democrat. Uh, and so it's it's internal fighting. It is backbiting. It is it's in, wild. It is truly a circus. I know. And, and a, a jungle, if you will. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> rightly named. It is the aptly uh, named the jungle primary. Uh, so watch that one, and that's uh, coming up uh, Tuesday again. I've already yep. voted. I won't tell you how I voted, but I will thank you for coming in today. Thank you, uh, Eddie Baird from Politi- from Think Progress. What am I saying? Thinkprogress.com. This or- is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Summit, summit, what summit? Nobody knows whether it's on or off still, and we're almost at the 1st of June. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go. Thursday, May 31. Yes, the last day of May, 2018. It is The Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Washington, D.C. is where we start out. We end up everywhere you are in this great land of ours, on the radio, on, on online, on YouTube, and, of course, on uh, television, on Free Speech TV. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. with all the news of the day, and uh, there's a lot going on. Donald Trump saying, yeah, I wish I hadn't hired that damn Jeff Sessions. I, I wish I'd put somebody else in his place. Um, and uh, Donald Trump also finally speaking out. We were waiting. We were waiting to see what he would say about Roseanne Barr. No, he didn't condemn what she said about Valerie Jarrett or George Soros. Of course not. He wouldn't condemn any sexist, racist remarks because he makes too many of his own. All he says was, well, if ABC apologized to Valerie Jarrett, why did they apologize to me? Why? Because it's all about me. Don't you realize that? It's just about me. That's uh, classic Donald Trump. Anyhow, lots to talk about. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. And as we um, uh, occasionally like to take a look at how the first family is doing nothing but making money out of the Trump presidency, Adam Smith here to help us through that from uh, Every Voice. Hello, Adam. It's good to see you again. Hey, good to see you, Bill. All right. We're going to learn uh, how much money Ivanka Trump has made this Oof. week out of the Trump White House. <laughs> She's at it. Uh, so lots going on. Send us again your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, Adam and I and you get into the news of the day. But first, 
This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed, just a couple of the stories making news. So let's say you live in Salem, Oregon, and you are about to go to bed. Not on a bad town. I've been there. Yeah, sure. You're about to go to bed on Tuesday night. All of a sudden, your iPhone starts going off with a Uh-oh. message saying, Civil emergency, prepare for action. Uh-oh. Those are the <laughs> notifications that the residents in Salem, Oregon, got on their phones as they were preparing to go to bed on Tuesday night. What they didn't add is that it was merely just elevated levels of a natural toxin caused by algae bloom that made the area tap water unsafe for some children, which is not a small thing, but people completely freaked Whoa. out. Yeah. Prepare huh. for action in the age of Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un going back and forth about nuclear war. Particularly could... if you're living on the West Coast. Exactly. Well, so they took the, it took them 31 minutes before they gave a link with more information. So a lot of people in the meantime completely freaked out. Completely I, freaked out. So well, if you're going to do these things, what, be like, thorough. What possible action could you take to respond to <laughs> algae bloom? Right. They're, well, basically they're saying, like, look, dr- dr- if, especially if you have kids, drink bottled water or store-bought water that's not, like, from the tap because there's a problem there. So that that's the only real issue there. But right. they should maybe be a little more thorough with their... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Their, uh, their, their panic-inducing uh, messages. By the way, remember we talked about this earlier in the week when Rudy Giuliani went to the Yankees game. The New York Yankees wish you a very happy birthday to Mayor Giuliani. I wish I'd been there. And the crowd goes wild with thunderous boos. Well, Rudy Giuliani <laughs> uh, was, <laughs> was actually asked about this yesterday. Uh, he was asked about being booed at Yankee Stadium, and he was asked if, if it ups- upset him, and he said, quote, no, no, I'm a Yankees fan. I know Yankees fan. They only boo you when they love you, end oh. quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in The Simpsons when they said, no, he, Mr. Burns, he was saying boo words. Boo words, boo words. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, they were actually booing him. Boo! They were actually booing him, uh, not because they love him, but probably because they know him better than most people in the country and know exactly what he's capable of. So it's a nice way to maybe cover it up, but (laughs) not true. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. No, Donald Trump says, I'm not going to condemn anything that Roseanne Barr says. What I want to know is why hasn't Bob Iger from ABC called to apologize to me? Because one time somebody said something mean about me on ABC. Not to mention all the racist, sexist Trump's tweets that Donald Trump has sent out. Hey, oh, that's all about me. That's Donald Trump's world. Hello, everybody. Here we go, the Bill Press Show on Thursday, Thursday, May 31. Great to see you today, and thanks for uh, joining us here for this Thursday edition of the Bill Press Show, coming to you live, as always, from uh, Washington, D.C., our studio on Capitol Hill, with all the news of the day, and joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash Show. On Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. 
uh, in studio with us, Adam Smith here from uh, Every Voice to talk about some of the um, financial, uh, complicated financial issues with the <laughs> Trump White House and the Trump family. Hi, Adam. Hey. Nice to see you. Uh, and um, just uh, trying to keep up with the flow. We, we mentioned uh, in the last hour that 72% of the American people, according to the latest poll from Politico, 72% of the American people say, say Donald Trump tweets too much, uh, including 58% of Republicans say Donald Trump tweets too much. Uh, apparently, Mr. Trump did not get that message, not yet, uh, because just uh, I've been trying to keep up with these. Yeah. Now, 13 minutes ago, he, first of all, when I got up this morning, I checked my phone always, and I have all these Trumps from Donald Trump, it sounds like, like I'm his best friend. Um, he was tweeting after 11 o'clock last night, and he was tweeting as early as 6 o'clock this morning. Hmm. He's been on this roll. Uh, the latest one, ooh, if I got it here. Yes. Um, back to Roseanne Barr. Here's his latest one. 13 minutes ago, Iger, Bob Iger, Iger, where is my call of apology? You and ABC have offended millions of people, and they demand a response. American people are demanding that Bob Iger call Donald Trump. How is Brian Ross doing? He tanked the market with an ABC lie, yet no apology. Double standard. Actually, that's not true. Yeah. Uh, Brian Ross was suspended for he. First of all, he came out with it was a he reported something about Michael Flynn. I forget exactly yeah. what it was, which turned out not to be true. Which we talked about at the time for Brian Ross. That's like really rare because he's a damn good yes. investigative reporter. But ABC, corrected they didn't it. fire him, but they corrected it, yeah. and he was suspended for months. Which shows and proves that it's not fake news. They take it seriously. Sometimes people get things wrong. They do. Yeah. They do. Sorry, it sucks. Right. And yeah. there's a big difference between getting something wrong and then getting suspended and getting punished and getting taken off of your beat. Right. There's a difference between that and coming out in front of the American people every single day and knowingly tell lies. Yes. Yeah. And there's just, a difference. And we just went through the lies that he told in Nashville. Yeah. A whole string of them uh, Tuesday night. But again, so they did. They, d Brian Ross did suffer the consequences. Roseanne Barr has suffered the consequences. Donald Trump has never suffered the consequences of all the lies and the racist, sexist things that he does and says. Yeah, and also he's more concerned about being apologized to than the fact that a well-known celebrity who supports him is racist, right? I, I think it says something about his priorities. Absolutely, totally, no. And in fact, uh, he and, and, Huck, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday both kept saying, we don't um, defend her remarks. Well, no, but they didn't condemn her remarks okay. either. Not at all. This is a double standard that the president is speaking about. No one is defending her comments. They're inappropriate, but that's what the point that he was making. Well, and she had said, what, on Tuesday that he w he's too busy dealing with North Korea oh, to weigh in no. or to participate? Actually, he said that, I think. Or maybe she did. I yeah, she that's did. right. She said, we have others. Yeah, yeah right. We're not going to talk about Roseanne. We've got more important things to talk about. And we all knew he was going to talk about Roseanne. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And we should have known that he would turn it around to make it all about him because yep. yep. that's what he does. Um, so there's interesting news this week. I keep coming back to um, – I'm going to find this exact quote, but paraphrasing. When he was a candidate, Donald Trump joked about the fact that 
he could might might end up being the only person who ever ran for president and made money at it. Yep. Uh, turns out it wasn't a joke. It was not. Right? No. I mean, Every day he's profiting off the presidency. Whether it's uh, st- uh, you know foreign governments and lobbyists staying in his D.C. hotel or all those trips to Mar-a-Lago. Um, I, it's summertime. I assume he's going to go up to New Jersey to his club in Bedminster soon. His weekends at his Virginia golf course. He is every day finding ways to profit off the presidency. And make sure people understand how so. Like, for, for first of all, just by going to these properties, sure. he's giving them publicity. Sure. Right? So there's the publicity. If you go spend the weekend at Mar-a-Lago, like if you invite the Japanese foreign minister to have a summit with you at Mar-a-Lago, you're giving international attention to your club. And what you're also saying is <laughs> if you become a paying member at Mar-a-Lago, there's a good chance you're going to get to hang out with the president. And that could be lobbyists who have uh, a stake in regulatory uh, uh, things that are happening. It could be uh, donors who are concerned about tax policy. You know, And so it's just saying here's a way to buy influence that nobody will know about because they also will not release who the mem- the membership numbers or um, list of Mar-a-Lago or all these other clubs. And let's remember that they doubled the cost of the membership at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I think it's $200,000. Yeah, right. Um, and was then, a, it was 100 But yeah. now that you have a chance to maybe rub elbows with the yeah. Donald, uh, they're charging you more. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And then a lot of Republican committees are spending money there. You know, in a couple weeks, uh, this major pro-Trump super PAC is having a summit at Trump's hotel. Lots of other Republican congressional committees are having, they have dinners there, fundraisers. And then, of course, there's the taxpayer money involved. I don't know how much, uh, you know, Secret Service and others are paying for rooms at Mar-a-Lago or paying for rent at Trump Tower. Um, but a lot of our own taxpayer money is going into these properties, too. Well, there's no doubt. That he's taken an entourage with him. Yes. First of all, any president does. Yes. Uh, security, top aides, doctors, you know. Yeah. The whole th- whole gang, right, has got to go. They're staying at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. They're not staying for free. Right, right. right. They're we- paying. They're not. I bet they're not even getting government rate. But even if they are getting government rate, the point is that is money that goes to Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump owns Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. He's getting a piece of every every dollar spent there. Yeah, it's not like the ranch in Crawford with George W., right? Like, he owned right. that place. Yeah. He wasn't personally profiting from people going there. This is the president getting his bank yes. account yeah. right. full because of us. So it's and, and that's true of every property yes. that has Trump on it around the world. That's absolutely right? right. The more visibility he gets, the more people say this is a place to stay, and particularly— when it comes to properties where he is likely to show up, Bedminster, Mar-a-Lago, the Trump Hotel here in Washington, people know that you know there's there's a chance. That's absolutely right. If you're a trade group and you have your event at Trump's hotel, and then that next day you have a meeting with the White House, are you not going to say to them, "Hey, gosh, stay at your hotel. It was beautiful." Oh you're yeah, absolutely going to do that. Yeah, no. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I, I can tell you, I want to be careful here, but. Um, I have a friend who um, wanted to uh, wanted to spend some time with the president and managed to plant himself at Sterling, the Na- Trump National Golf yeah. Course in Sterling, Virginia, and was told, well, uh, you know, we can't guarantee this, but um, if you uh, go to the dining room and uh, go a certain table, you know, chances are, right? And... He got some time with the president just by, right. 
paying the price to join Sterling, join the golf club, and get out there for lunch. Yeah. So I can say it works. Yeah. Right. Now, he's not the only one. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. I'm particularly interested in um, uh, daughter Ivanka. Yeah. Right. Uh, I saw the New York Times had a headline where I put the article here, right? Doing business with the first family. Uh, how many? Seven new trademarks? No, it was more than that, wasn't it? I, I think just this round, there are maybe there are like five or six or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There have been a couple of rounds of China oh, approving her trademarks. Yeah. Yeah, right. And we know famously last year when President Xi was at um, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And they had the the big dinner where, I think, what was Trump planning the bombing of Syria at the time? Might have been, yeah. I think that was it, yeah. Outside yeah. on the pat, on the terrace yeah. Yeah. at that dinner. and then they Among had, all the other paying customers at, right. at Mar-a-Lago. And then they had the beautiful chocolate cake. Yep. That's right. right. Yep. And the very same day, Ivanka gets three new trademarks yep. from China. Yep. Yeah. So a week or so ago, President uh, Trump said, we're really going to help this one Chinese firm, ZTE, because they're going to lose 75,000 jobs. We can't let that happen. We have to save these Chinese jobs. And, you know, and he does. And then you turn around on the heels of that. Ivanka gets another half a dozen Yeah, trademarks. she gets her trademarks approved by China. And um, the thing about I mean, the thing about ZTE, it's not just a telecommunications company. It is one that the U.S. has banned from doing business in America because they violated sanctions against uh, selling things to North Korea and Iran, right? The U.S. military will not use phones with ZTE microchips because they're afraid they'll be spying on them, right? So it's not like just some random company. This is a company the U.S. government has said, these people should not be doing business in America. And here he is trying to prop them up and maybe it's a coincidence that Ivanka's uh, trademarks are approved right as all this is happening but uh, it speaks to this bigger issue that um, as long as Ivanka maintains an ownership stake in her company as long as Donald Trump maintains an ownership stake in her company there is going to be a question over every decision they make and whether they're doing it because it's what's best for American interests or what's best for their own personal interests so uh, just so uh, what we are understand is so here's Ivanka she is uh, whatever her role is special counsel advisor senior advisor, senior like advisor to the president yeah. of the United States right yeah who happens to be her father yeah at the same time she has the Ivanka Trump line I mean I went online a couple of weeks ago just to look at it yeah right it's still out there yeah her name yep she has she, no role in the company technically. She doesn't. But she still owns she it. She owns it absolutely. She yeah, owns she it. She profits from it. Yes. She's making money from. She's it. profit from those sweatshops to make her clothes. She's profiting from whatever they end up selling in China. Everything. Yes. Uh, right, and it's a whole line that includes clothing and jewelry yeah. and ex- accessories mm-hmm. and you name it. Right. Yeah. Just like her daddy had vodka and ties yeah. and steaks and wine and all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Right. A bunch of other crap. And some of that he's still selling, too. We'll get that in a minute. But anyway, so Ivanka, it's a whole broad line of stuff, uh, which she's selling around the world, and she needs trademarks, I guess, in any particular country. Okay. Here's the question. Would she get these trademarks in China if her name were not Trump? Maybe. I mean, she is popular there. The the people in China sort of like her glamour, luxuriousness sort of stuff. But, um, you know, there's the, the this is sort of like when when uh, regulators or people with the trademark company are looking at the Ivanka Trump name, can they refuse? 
right? And that's the real question. Maybe she would have gotten this approved if she wasn't the daughter of the president. But because uh, they're in this high-level, high-stakes negotiation, can uh, a, an agency run by the government of China actually refuse to do those trademarks? And then that is itself uh, raises conflict questions. Uh, well, the, the very fact that she's applying for the trademarks yeah. raises conflict Yeah, and questions. they try to defend it, saying, we don't want other people profiting off her name. But, you know, she if she wanted to, she could have divested from the company, and she chose not to. She said, "What? it's more important that I continue to personally profit than serve this country without conflict. Right. Well, why wouldn't she say that when her father said That's absolutely right. the same thing? Yes. Right. He could have divested. Yeah. Chose not to. Yeah. Said, we remember that news conference during the transition where he had all that the stack president of paper president cannot have around. a conflict, he said. A president cannot have a conflict. Yeah. So Nixonian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and said that the law did not require him to divest, which I guess it's is- It's absolutely true. Is true. And it's a weakness of the law. Yeah. I, I think the one thing we're seeing in this administration is what we saw as norms when it comes to ethics- uh, needs to be codified. It needs to, the president needs conflict of interest rules need to apply to the president. Uh, we used to just assume that they would, and people would do it because they thought that's what was best for this country. But now we see that that's not. We need laws. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, what about Donald Jr. and Eric? Yeah. Well, the one other thing with with Trump in China is he is also there's also some questions about. Um, and this is tied to Donald Trump and or Jr. and Eric is that, you know, as Trump was saying these things about ZTE, uh, a Chinese state owned construction company announced it was going to invest in a in a project in, I think, Malaysia um, or the Philippines. I mean, I that is investing in Indonesia. Sorry, got this confused. Uh, yeah. Investing in an Indonesian project that the Trump com- Trump organization invested in, and so it raises another question. There's just all these coincidences. All of a sudden, Tr- uh, Donald and Ivanka are getting these business boosts uh, from a country they're ha- negotiating high stakes trade deals with. It's a lot of coincidences. Yeah, uh, right. They're making these deals again. Yeah, under the Trump name. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah, and it's all around the world. And it's not just that, you know, like there's the Trump Organization sent a letter to the president of Panama about a, a local real estate situation, uh, which was highly inappropriate. You know, the Philippines government is holding an event, their embassy is holding an event at Trump's DC hotel next month as the Trump administration is negotiating a trade deal with the Philippines. You know, the um, there's the uh, the cutter. Kushner company investment situation. There's um, the Kuwaiti embassy for two years has now held its National Day event at Trump's hotel. When before Trump's hotel opened, before Trump was president, it was holding it in other hotels in D.C. You know, it's this national security issue. Um, it's not just about corruption. It's about national security and uh, who, why are decisions being made by this administration? Right. So then that gets us back, circles us back to something that most of us had never heard of before and still can't pronounce, the emoluments clause. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, the, the our founders uh, were very wise, and they said, we need to be worried about foreign influence in our government officials, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, so there are these, this clause in the Constitution said the president can't receive uh, uh, foreign uh, gifts from foreign governments. You know, it was like back in the day. You think about how, like Thomas, I think it was was it Jefferson that wouldn't take 
Um, there was a president that wouldn't take this snuff, mo- snuff box from like the king of France or something. And he said, nah, this is a mon- emolument. That's like a little like yeah, decorative box. It might have been Jefferson. I forget. Yeah. But, I know, but I know now we're mean. here yeah. and he's saying, and Trump is saying, it, this doesn't apply to me. Foreign profits aren't the same as gifts. And which I think is a, 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 a false reading of the history of the emoluments clause. And so there are challenges, you know. And then um, just this week, about 60 House Democrats in a letter to the Office of Government Ethics questioning this as well, saying, "Is this does this vi- violate gift rules, um, the, these, this Chinese investment? Um, and there's ongoing lawsuits about the emoluments case. Um, I don't exactly remember where they are in the process. There was one that was thrown out, another one that was allowed to go forward. There's the one from members of Congress. Um, there's the one by the state of Maryland and the state of D.C. Mm-hmm. governments. Mm-hmm. But those are ongoing. The Department of Justice continues to try to get them to drop those lawsuits, uh, but uh, they're still happening. So, so he, uh, Trump is going to leave the White House a much, much richer man he than might. he was yeah. when he went in. Yeah, it's, you know, his, when you look at the financial disclosure forms, which were released a couple of weeks ago, um, there are some properties that are absolutely doing better than others. You know, Mar-a-La- uh, the D.C. Hotel is doing really well. Mar-a-Lago is doing well. Uh, but you know some of his golf courses in like LA or uh, other places where he's not going um, are not doing as well. But so I think that yes, he's going to be continuing to doing well, and his sons are you know working on all these other deals. Um, and I think you're going to see more uh, foreign investments um, going forward. All right. So Donald Trump, daughter Ivanka, ja- um, Donald Jr. and Eric, and then. There are all the potential conflicts with son-in-law Jared Kushner yes. and his real estate empire, yeah. which he is still somehow connected he with. He still I has guess, right? some ownership stake in it, yeah. And then, yes. And there have been stories about Kushner holding meetings in the White House, and shortly thereafter, yeah. the, the country that he's dealing with um, makes a big, huge investment in the Kushner real estate empire. That's absolutely right. And then there was there it was just this, happened with Cutter. I think it did. Yeah. And there was another. There's a story when his like sister and their company was doing some presentation yeah. to some foreign officials, and in the PowerPoint they had like a picture of Jared on it. It's like you're not even being subtle here. They said, "Oh, that was an inadvertent mistake." No, it wasn't. You're yeah. you're not being subtle here. You're saying this gets you access to the president of the United States, so that he is. Uh, at least one could make the argument that he could be using in charge of peace in the Middle East, supposedly. Right? Supposedly. Yeah. So as he meets with these companies, he says, oh, by the way, we got this big property on Fifth Avenue Yeah. Uh, with with this great big loan coming yeah. due, which we're not going to be able to make the payment, yeah. but maybe you could help out. He, and that's what this- He, he probably doesn't even need to say it, right? He probably doesn't, because doesn't everybody need to knows it. it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Probably would be illegal for him to say it, uh, whether he does or not, but he doesn't need to. Yeah. This is sort of that wink, wink, nod, nod stuff. Right. It is government by toll gate. It does yeah. exist. It happens in the Congress. And it's, uh, right. it's happening right now. So let's not say it's this is something new to Washington. Yeah. But I think what's new is that now it's the president of the United States himself. And his son-in-law, and his sons, and yeah. his daughter. Yeah, and that, and the fact that uh, congressional Republicans have no interest in like having oversight or accountability hearings about it. Good point. You know, if, Good point. No, they don't. 
better just look in the other way. They don't yeah, care. Yeah, absolutely no. right. Because yeah, right. they're getting what they they're getting their judges, they're getting their tax cuts well, for donors. Well, you know what's good is what's good is that there are no members of the cabinet who are profiting uh, <laughs> or, 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 or making any deals that would further help themselves, or there are no members of the cabinet that are living high in the hog. Not even Scott Pruitt. Oh right? uh, gosh, yeah, no, Scott Pruitt is like the poster boy. Um, for uh, how many investigations now? Uh, there are over a dozen. There might be fourteen or fifteen of eth- alleged ethical violations. Yeah, by whether Scott you Pruitt. know, s- uh, uh, spending that breaks the rules, or um, you know, pressure. There's some. Yes, it's a lot of stuff. And uh, you know, and it's it's for me. It's the thing about this EPA is like it's not. I don't. It's not that just that he's spending three and a half million dollars on security, or he's spending forty five thousand dollars on phone booths. It's that he's doing it while like making it easier for polluters to like dirty our air and water. He's saying that I'm gonna um, spend all this money, waste all this taxpayer money, while also giving people who've donated my campaigns freedom to like uh, uh, give our kids asthma. And that's what really sticks out to me is that um, he doesn't want. Any accountability for himself or for polluters? No, um, no. His 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 regime is all about yeah bring, bringing the oil companies, the mining companies. Yeah. there's a story in the L.A. Whatever. Times this week about this rule that the EPA wanted to reverse. That there's this rule about big trucks that they can there something about the how much pollution they can put into the air. And there was this rule that uh, the administra- Obama administration put in place saying that you this certain companies, there's like a couple of them, couldn't rebuild these 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 trucks because they they polluted so much. They were higher polluters, and they want to reverse that rule. And literally nobody wants it. The industry doesn't want it. Republican senators don't want it. Who wants it is Diane Black in in uh, uh, Tennessee and her big a donor to her campaign. It's like one trunk company, and he's like doing what she wants, but nobody else wants it. Is is there anything that uh, Congress can do yeah. about Scott Pruitt? Well, yes. I mean, I, I, one good thing is last week House and Senate Democrats introduced their a better deal for democracy package, which is a set of bills looking at um, uh, ethics, campaign finance, and voting rights. And I think that, um, one, we can, when uh, Democrats take control, they can say, we're going to pass all of these ethics rules to make sure uh, uh, norms are laws, that uh, the uh, spending can be accountable and all of those things. Um, and they can also start doing hearings. They can actually... Uh, do meaningful oversight of the administration. Right. Uh, it, were Democrats to take control? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think anything's going to happen gonna now. Happen. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's the thing. Like when but Democrats. What I was getting yeah. to is so Scott Pruitt. I mean, he's just so ethically challenged. Yeah. Um, but he was confirmed by by the Senate. Yeah. Absolutely. So the Senate can't fire him. Right. No, I don't. I the don't. House think can't so. fire him. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, no, I'm pretty sure they can. I, I don't mean, know if ca- there's an impeachment process for can- cabinet members or not. There might be. I don't know. I guess anybody could be impeached, but yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not going the, to. The only way they could, right? Yeah, they yeah. all like Scott Pruitt's policies. I think that's the bigger takeaway. They're not going to. Yeah, maybe they can. They're not going. To. They will look the other way as long as they continue to do things like allow um, the oil companies that fund their campaigns to like uh, do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But I think it's worth pointing out, as you did, that you know um, that there have been other people ethically challenged in this administration. Yeah. Tom Price fired. Yeah. David Shulkin, veterans, fired. Um, maybe there's, maybe others. I don't know. Maybe some at the White House. But Scott Pruitt, not fired yeah. by Donald Trump, because. 
Donald Trump likes the fact that he's taking a wrecking ball to all the environmental regulations absolutely right. passed under Barack Obama. Yeah, as long as he continues to forward Trump's agenda, he's going to he keep him on. He can steal all he wants. Yeah, shoot a man on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I don't know about that. God. But I think only Trump can do that. Yeah, only <laughs> Trump could probably get away with Only that. Trump could do that, but the truest thing he ever said. That That's absolutely do, right. That he could do that and get away with it. I keep coming back to that. Man, i got to tell you, these scoundrels, well, at least you're there keeping on top of them through every voice. I love coming in talking about the good news that this administration. Great. Yeah, Black exactly. cloud, Adam Smith, <laughs> comes into all the these, studio. All these role models that we can look up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not one of them. Uh, Adam Smith is director of Every Voice. It's everyvoice.org, yes. right? Everyvoice.org. Check it out. Uh, keep up with the latest scandals of the Trump administration. When we come back, uh, our good friend Ben Kamazar from The Hill joins us on the rest of the news of the day. So uh, hang in there for a quick break, and we'll be right back. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thursday, May 31. Uh, How about it? It is The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Uh, Hello again, I should say. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of the program. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., and our studio on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, those great men and women, Teachers of America, showing their strength all around the country and uh, doing a great job, the Lord's work in the classrooms uh, every day. Under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten, we salute uh, our teachers, Thank them for their support of the program and the great work that they're doing. Check out their website at aft.org. Uh, wrapping up and wind help us wind up the show today, Ben Kamazar, a friend, a political reporter from The Hill, thehill.com here in studio. Ben, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, it's a busy morning on Twitter for the uh, president. We've been trying to keep up with his tweets. They keep just flowing in here. Um, I wish he would slow down uh, so we could catch up, but of course um, he won't do that. So here's the latest since uh, we we read a couple of these just half an hour ago, um, exactly 30 minutes ago. Um, he will not let up with a spy, spy, spy. Tweet, Donald Trump, the corrupt mainstream media is working overtime, not to mention the infiltration of people, spies informants into my campaign surveillance much that doesn't even make sense it doesn't work <laughs> as well on uh, on twitter as it might in uh, in person no i guess not <laughs> but again the reason the mainstream media is not putting a lot of time and effort into talking about the spy in his campaign is because there wasn't no spy in his campaign well i think that I think everybody was... has shown that proven that well, I think it was yesterday, too, or maybe it was two days ago, when he was quoting Trey Gowdy and had this whole long thing about yeah. Trey Gowdy, and including quotes from an interview he gave, but yesterday. didn't include yeah. yesterday, but didn't include the fact that uh, Gowdy had also said, I looked at the information, I was in the classified briefing, and I found no problem with the sources and methods that the FBI used, and even went as far as to say that you know, the, Trump should be happy with the way that it was conducted professionally. So it yeah. was just, you know, you saw, it, the Twitter feed is obviously a very one- you know, it's it's what's going on in his mind, but it's interesting he gets so close to that interview, but maybe he missed that first part, maybe he's ignoring that first part, I don't know. Well, so out of that briefing, which was 
pretty extraordinary that Donald Trump had created so much stir by claiming that the, the FBI planted a spy in his campaign that the Republicans were able to demand and got a top-secret briefing by the FBI and the Department of Justice for the Republican leadership, and then they ended up allowing a couple of Democrats in to, to, to answer this question, to respond to that charge. Not one Republican left that meeting and said, I'm convinced there was a spy. Not one. Not one. One, Trey Gowdy, did say, I'm convinced there was no spy. And all the Democrats have come out basically singing same, that similar same thing. tune. Right. But I'm just talking about the Republicans and then Trey Gowdy adding, and the FBI did exactly what they should I'm have sure. done. And you haven't really heard much from Nunes either. Which, no. You know, not can... one Republican has has agreed with Donald Trump. Said, I saw the evidence there was a spy in the campaign. And yet here he is again tweeting on it uh, this morning. Uh, so that's one. That was uh, 30 minutes ago. Since then, <laughs> uh, he's back with another one. Quote, this is just um, at eight, so 27 minutes ago. Quote, not that it matters, but I never fired James Comey because of Russia. The corrupt mainstream media, this is the new phrase, the corrupt mainstream media loves to keep pushing that narrative, but they know it is not true. Well, the reason we know that he did fire James Comey because of Comey looking at Comey's Russia probe is because he said it. Yeah, I pulled up the tweet while I was uh, waiting outside yeah. in the last segment. Yeah. Not the tweet, the uh, the quote. And he, the quote. It's from this interview with Lester Holt. Um, NBC it, News. NBC News um, in May of 17, so just a little over a year ago. And the quote was, and in fact, when I decided to do it, talking about the fire, he said, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse by Democrats for having lost an election that they should have won. So certainly, you know, at least at the very, you know, we take Trump, give him the most benefit of the doubt there. It was at least on his mind, admittedly, when he decided to fire Comey. And certainly, you know, it, it is interesting that he would, not interesting, and I guess it makes sense, but, you know, it's interesting you make that claim um, again and again and again after being relatively open about it uh, in that Lester Holt interview. But like, it's, so it's amazing how quickly we collectively as a nation have forgotten about that quote. I mean, he admitted why he did it. Oh, that was like 47 political years ago, right? right. Like, <laughs> Literally. I mean, it was so long ago. Right. Also, also, let me point out, the day after he fired Comey, he met in the Oval Office with Ambassador Kislyak from Russia and with Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, and said... I got that monkey off my back. I had to get that monkey off my back. I mean, I've, I'm paraphrasing, but that Comey was crazy or whatever, and I had to get rid of this. I mean, he told them he fired Comey because of the Russian investigation, and then he told Lester Holt. And I didn't remember this, that was the timeline. That was also no. It was the day yeah. after he fired Comey. That was this, that that same interview, or that same meeting that brought up the questions about like Israeli intelligence too. That's right? when he also yeah. revealed some state secrets that. We had learned from Israeli intelligence, and he told the Russians about it. It's also the same meeting where he, uh, the the um, photographer from TASS, the Russian news agency, was allowed in, but no American reporters were allowed in into the Oval Office. I'm I mean, just happy was... that my brain has enough room in it to remember all of these things. Like maybe I don't have the recall to get them, you know, like you do. But at least when you're there, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that was a thing. <laughs> No, so yeah, this this tweet this morning, he contradicts. He's contradicting himself. 
Uh, just want to bring you up to date on all the uh, on all the latest. He hasn't said anything this morning. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He did. The one we read earlier was about he's still waiting for the apology from Bob oh, Iger. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, why hasn't Bob Iger called him? Keep waiting for that phone call. Mm-hmm. Keep waiting for that, exactly. So um, you went up to a lot of good good stuff here lately. Uh, Im- what's on immigration? It looks like there's maybe some Republicans thinking we ought to do something about the Dreamers or immigration or else it's not going to look good in 2018. Yeah, we've been seeing this interesting kind of move in, in, in the Republican caucus in the House. Basically, you know, Speaker Ryan controls the agenda. And so what he says goes. And right now, the Republican leadership isn't really interested in um, at coming up with a vote specifically on DACA, specifically on DREAMers. You know, maybe there could be hope that a framework is ironed out for some massive compromise, but I haven't seen anything that suggests that that's coming down the pipeline anytime soon. So you had an interesting group of Republicans using this um, mostly, you know, whether it's a combination of moderate Republicans, vulnerable Republicans up in 18, and, and also some retiring Republicans, people that don't really have much to lose, all kind of started to coalesce around this idea of a discharge petition. It's a real, it's like an arcane rule in the House. But basically what it says is if you can get 218 people to sign a petition, right. it triggers the vote no matter what. So you go over the speaker's head. And what this group of, I think it's you know 20-something Republicans um, and virtually all of the Democrats have said is that they want a vote series on all of the immigration proposals. They want a clean DACA, you know, a clean DACA, basically, you know, authorizing that into law, allowing dreamers a pathway to citizenship. And sure, we'll also give you the other ideas that are floating around. You know, there's a compromise um, that had been supported by the president and then there's a sort of further right um, vote as well. But basically, this group is getting dangerously close in the minds of Paul Ryan to hitting that 218 threshold to the point that they actually say they have it. Leadership believes they have 218. And now it's basically just a scramble to try and compromise in these final days and weeks up until I think they gave the self-imposed deadline of like mid-June. So um, Congress is out this week, right? But what you're saying is that when they come back, um, maybe Monday, they could trigger this uh, standalone vote on Dreamers? So they could. They, it seems like they have the votes to do so. What they're doing, it's they're, they're giving leadership, I think, till June 7th. And they're saying, if you can come, you know, let's let's try and come up with a compromise, you know, kind of using the threat of the of the bill of, of the discharge petition as a deadline, a hard deadline. If you can't come up with a better deal than this, we're just going to trigger it. But I think there's hope in the Republican caucus that knowing that this is going to happen, it might kick someone in the butt a little bit and kickstart this negotiation. So the reason they're doing this is because, I guess, they see Republicans that not doing anything about the Dreamers could hurt them in 2018. So you have a lot of, most of these people, I mean, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations about all of them, but yeah. there's a lot of them there who are vulnerable members. The people leading the charge are um, Carlos Corbello from a Florida district that's 70% Hispanic, um, you know, pretty swingy um, down in Florida. And yeah. then you've got Jeff Denham from California from a pretty swingy area there. You've got Will Hurd from the most competitive seat in Texas. These are all people who are from, you know, places where, um, you know, where voters are more moderate, where the, where people are more likely to be in support of doing something for dreamers and codifying this. So you're seeing those people who really, you know, probably with a big Latino a lot of, them big of the population. Exactly. Right. So it's an interesting coalition. And none of these people have really 
come out to support Dream, the DACA or the DREAM Act for the first time. It's just that they're now taking this extra step of saying, we can't just sit by. I don't want to be lo- roped in with the Republican Party not doing anything on this. So I want to go back to my voters and say, I did what I could. It'd be interesting to see if there's some uh, action on that uh, on that this year. But of course, um, you know, maybe some people might say, why should we help uh, the Democrats on this because Nancy Pelosi loves MS-13. <laughs> well, they might not have a... That's the funny thing is you talk about the Republicans here. They Republican leadership does not want this to go through, and they see this as you know basically a gift to the Democrats. But at the end of the day, if the, if the group's got the votes, then there's not that much they can do about it. Mm-hmm. No, no. Uh, but I keep hearing about discharge positions. I haven't seen one work yet. I know. That's the thing. And that's what's so weird about this one is that this one's got, I think, you know, what, it has well over 200 signatures. And they have a group of unnamed lawmakers that they're waiting in the wings. And, and they've said, once we give them the green light at June, uh, June 7th, they will sign it. So this is the first one in years. I have that never seems understood why Paul Ryan would not allow a standalone vote on the Dreamers. So their argument so far has been that this is just going to depress turnout across the country that Republicans, you know, it's it all comes into this argument um, from, you know, the Republicans after Obama was elected. It was the whole argument was give us the House and we can do something. So they gave him the voters gave him the House in 10, you know, give us the you know, when we repeal Obamacare. So that didn't work in the Senate. So then give us the Senate. Then we can repeal Obamacare. Doesn't happen. Then give us the White House. We can repeal Obamacare. <laughs> so you have this frustration among a lot of these voters who voted this tea, you know, who who participated in this Tea Party wave that really shifted fundamentals of American politics, but they don't really feel like they've gotten enough necessarily for what they voted for. And so that's the concern here is that if they if if this discharge petition works and Republicans can't spin this as they got something on the other side of it, then it's just another thing that could depress turnout. Do Democrats believe that this immigrant, you know, Donald Trump keeps has said in Nashville the other night that immigration is our ticket to to winning in 2018. This is this is a horse we're going to ride, right? In the House races and Senate races, uh, building the wall, Mexico pays for the wall, breaking up families, sending them all back. Everyone that comes across is treated as a criminal. MS-13, I mean, the whole anti-immigration thing. Uh, do, do all Republicans see it that way, or do they see maybe some vulnerability here? Well, I mean, you certainly have these folks who are in the most vulnerable seats. I mean, you know, I think it's at least 10 or, or maybe more that are listed on the top the most vulnerable seats, these Republicans that have joined onto the discharge petition. I mean, it's clear yeah. that there's not this unified feeling on the, on immigration. I mean, don't forget, after Mitt Romney lost in 2012, there was the, um, I forgot the official name for it, but it was the autopsy the report. The autopsy report. Yeah, I forgot yeah. what the, 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 no, the fancy I'm, name was. Right. But yeah, the, the RNC autopsy report said we need to reach out to folks. We need to come up with a plan on immigration that's you know a little more um, all-encompassing and, and a little more inclusive than the sort of self-deportation branding that they got in, in 2012. But, you know, you definitely are seeing a double down in the other direction. And with polling that shows that, sure, you know, dreamers, you know, support for dreamers, at least some type of legal pathway, let alone citizenship um, opportunities, depending on the situation, polls pretty well, specifically among moderates and independents. I mean, obviously, well better among liberals. But if you look in a lot of these districts that are, you know, a lot of moderate voters or places where, you know, Republicans or Trump lost by two or something, or even a Republican seat that Trump, you know, that Hillary won, 
these are districts where that immigration, it, it, the immigration debate matters, and it's one where you probably can't get away with just the build the wall stuff. Just, you got to have something on the other side, and that's why right. there's you know a push among Republicans to try and find something that can at least do both. Right. Ben Commissar is with us from The Hill. It's thehill.com. Don't forget to check it out on Tuesdays. You can find my column on The Hill. And I think if you look in the archives, maybe, uh, you can find uh, Ben Kamazar's review of From the Left, Life in the Crossfire, my new book. Uh, and uh, don't forget, if you haven't uh, gotten a copy or heard about it or read about it, go to our website, billpressshow.com, to find out more. Uh, so, Ben, you've been uh, taking a look also at something that intrigues me as a California voter, uh, the jungle primary in California, uh, particularly uh, there's a governor's race, which is so important, particularly but uh, you've been looking at as it affects congressional races. Yeah, it's a little of a bit of a mess. Just so for people who aren't familiar. It's a total <laughs> mess. Yes, it's, it, is. it is a total mess. So for people that aren't familiar with the way California works, um, they, the, the primaries aren't the same as what you're expecting. You know, you actually go to the ballot and it's a wide open primary with everyone from the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent, though, who, what have you. These these ballots are huge. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, for governor, I voted absentee 27, I count them, 27 candidates for governor. All different parties. I know. And and yeah, by the so way, in no of. particular order, like the most <laughs> famous ones are not up top. You have to hunt through for who you want to vote for and kind of know who you want to vote for. And it's hard to find them. Oh, I'm sure. I th they're like 14 or 15 for Senate, but 27 for governor. And three people dropped out of running for governor. It could have been 30, right? And that's the – so the problem – the interesting yeah. thing here is so – you take that gigantic ballot, and the top two candidates move on to a general. It doesn't have to be a Republican and Democrat. It could be a Republican and a Republican. It could be two Democrats. It could be a Green Party and an Independent, whatever works. So the concern here for both parties, but you're seeing a little bit more for Democrats, where I can explain later, the concern is what happens if a such a divided field ends up splitting the vote. You have a situation where so many Democrats have been inspired to run, and you're seeing a lot of this energy on the left turn into people actually, you know, deciding they want to run for Congress themselves. That's really good for a lot of reasons for the Democrats. It's really bad if a divided field splits up the you know the, the tickets. So if you have, you know, if it's 50% on each side, you know, two candidates on the right can make it through with 25% and 25%, and then five Democratic candidates split 10%, 10%, 10% the whole way, then there you, you find yourselves as a Democrat in a situation where, sure, you may have 50% of the population, but you've got no candidates in our general election. And that's really what the concern has been, mostly for the Democrats, because a lot of these seats um, that are up for grabs are Republican-held. Yeah, and because the enthusiasm and the energy and the excitement is on the Democratic side. And so if you— if, if, if I mean, that's up, the downside of yeah. this enthusiasm— bonus if that that that's among progressives and democrats these days thanks to donald trump and if we wake up on wednesday and see a lot of these races where democrats have spl split the field and a lot of republicans that you know move both move on into primary into general elections I mean, those are seats you just you take off the board immediately for this quest for the majority so california this primary on tuesday is going to be super pivotal to kind of you know dissecting what the tea leaves are looking like for um, for how how the chances of Democrats taking back the House, what their pathway could look like, because you could see some of these places where maybe they have two Democrats in and they're all good, 
Um, you could see somewhere a different candidate that gets through kind of, you know, isn't the one that uh, looks electable. Or you could have one where Republican, two Republicans are there and you just have to scratch that race off the map no matter how hard you guys have been working to flip it. What uh, what they needed there in California was a Democratic state chair who could go down there and uh, <laughs> with a club, you know, and break a few arms. And, who could uh, that be? Know anyone? I, 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 <laughs> There used to be a chair like that. I'm not sure there is today uh, at any rate. But then when you translate that to the governor's race, it, it is equally um, kind of confusing, interesting, colorful, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, because, again, among these 27, um, the front runner is, everybody would admit, Democrat Gavin Newsom. A Gavin Newsom would rather run against a Republican than a Democrat. So the real challenge is who gets number two? Is it going to be the the leading, second leading Democrat, Antonio Villaraigosa, mayor of L.A., or one of the Republicans, none of whom really are serious candidates? The leading Republican is a guy named John Cox. Uh, John Cox is a, like a perennial loser, right? He's from Illinois, not from California. He ran for the House in Illinois, lost. He ran for the Senate in Illinois and lost. He was in the primary when Barack Obama first ran for the Senate, uh, was in some of the debates with Barack Obama. In 2008, as an Illinois businessman, he ran for president of the United States. <laughs> Didn't get very far uh, as a Republican. Then he moved to California, and, and he's a very wealthy businessman. Now he's put up enough money to to be, he actually is, because nobody is taking the Republican Party that seriously in California. By the way, that's that's another story. Politico was out this morning with a report that the California Republican Party now is in third place. Democrats, independents, Republicans. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was governor, said the Republican Party is dying at the box office. You know, it is. <laughs> But so John Cox, though, would be the leading one. And Donald Trump is supporting John Cox because they want a Republican on the ballot because they think that'll help other Republicans come out and vote for lesser offices. And that all baked into that is sort of just this fascinating thing. First off, Republicans are the third, you know, Republicans are the third biggest political party, right, in, in, in California. How do you convince any major California Republican? I mean, any major candidate. I mean, they've got a lot of you know no. talented folks. The, yeah, it's they, just they don't want to do it. They don't want to run. Killed. They, exactly. So because of that, you then have the vacuum, and then that can get filled by someone like Cox. Like but Cox. then it sort of is this interesting thing where if you're the Democrat, if you're if you're Gavin Newsom, you want to run against the Republican because right. obviously to split up, you know, you you split up the the pie and it, it, it the numbers work. You right. don't want to run against a Democrat who maybe, I don't know, could, you know, even though Newsom's the favorite, who knows? I mean, Virgos is a popular guy. He can yeah. sneak in and maybe, maybe he wins. Who could knows? beat Gavin in the primary but, or in the general. But that's the problem, right, is that for the Democratic Party, be much better if it was Democrat on Democrat because that helps with turnout. For the Republican Party, it's better for them to sneak someone in and get one Republican that, you know, fine, you know, the idea would be fine, you know, I'm going to vote for the guy, but, you know. At least I'll at least have a reason to show up to the polls and you know, also vote for my congressman and go down and maybe you know that could save some folks. But it's just interesting where Newsom's best um, where Newsom's best interest lies is really where not where the Democratic Party's best interest lies. Right. So uh, Donald Trump has tweeted out twice now about this 
John Cox. Again, everybody accepts as a total loser, but Kevin McCarthy and the others only want him up there because that he will help convince other Republican voters there's something worth coming out to vote for. So therefore, that will help their Republican congressional candidates. In the meantime, as you point out, Gavin Newsom would rather run against Cox. So his supporters are actually running ads, his Democrat supporters are running ads help to help John Cox win because they want him to be up against Newsom. Democrats keeping down another Democrat in order right. to get a Republican in. Meanwhile, <laughs> Anthony, Antonio Villaraigosa, his supporters are running ads to help other Republicans uh, take votes away from John Cox because they figure that will help Antonio become the number two guy on the ballot, not John Cox. I very rarely say... Meantime, <laughs> Delane Easton, who's also a Democrat running for government, is attacking Gavin Newsom for helping John Cox and thereby hurting other Democrats. It is crazy. I rarely say... I rarely agree with those who say that politics these days are like 12-dimension chess, but like this race has got to be, you know, a multi-dimensional game of chess. It, it is, right. And you know, a lot of good ideas come from California. The jungle primary is not one of them. <laughs> Hey, Ben, it's great to see you. So much fun. TheHill.com to follow Ben. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday. Press Show.